In the heart of the Nifty Radio Recording Studios and Medical Clinic, where I'm being treated for third-degree burns, suffered this weekend in the glorious summer weather we experienced up here. Welcome to this week's edition of the Nifty Practice Tips. And yes, after a bleak couple of months, we had two glorious days on Saturday and Sunday where the sun was out. Let's hope it continues. Today, we're going to be dealing with another area of speedy trial practice, some important practical reminders when you're dealing with speedy trial issues. Let's get started. Speedy trial statutes and case law contain more rules per square inch than any other area of criminal practice. In addition to this, these voluminous decisional interpretations of the rules have ebbed and flowed over the years, often leaving us with cases that were authority, ceased being authority, and then returned to being authority. If you are familiar with the carnival game Whack-A-Mole, you will have some idea of how the decisional law of speedy trial will often change and then rechange its interpretation of the statutes as to whether time is chargeable to the people. The clearest example of the special place that speedy trial practice holds is the unique way the appellate courts are permitted to address appeals based on speedy trial issues. In the context of most appeals, the appellate court is only permitted to address errors raised by the moving party against the opposing party. It cannot address any other issue raised by the responding party, even if it is a legitimate point. See CPL 470.15 sub 1 and People v. LaFontaine 92 New York 2nd 470 from 1998. However, the appellate courts carved out an exception for speedy trial dismissal motion practice. The motion court has the authority to review how the adjournment should be charged to both parties, not just those raised by the defense in deciding a speedy trial motion to dismiss. In light of this, if your case is on appeal, your response should include any argument that the motion court erred in charging the people with certain time periods. The appellate division justices will be permitted to review this claimed error in deciding the defense appeal. As the court wrote in People v. Selgado, a First Department decision from 2006 where leave was denied by the Court of Appeals, we reject the suggestion that this court may only review those computations of chargeable time that went against the people. Proper review of the appellate record on the speedy trial issue compels a complete recalculation of chargeable time, and upon doing so in this instance, an affirmance of the dismissal pursuant to 33. When the defense makes a speedy trial motion or a motion for defendant's release pursuant to CPL 3030 subdivision 2, it is not enough for you to be successful in the litigation of the release or dismissal of the case. You should be aware of the specific time periods which the motion court may charge to you in its decision that should have been charged to the defense. While this ruling does not impact the immediate issue of release, it will impact any future speedy trial motion by that court to dismiss. 
The courts have held that once these rulings are made on the initial motion to release, they are controlling in a subsequent motion to dismiss. See, for example, People v. Evans, 94, New York 2nd, 499 from the year 2000. In such situations, you should make a motion for the court to reconsider its initial decision to charge you with this time, which was done improperly. Although the defendant's initial motion sought release from custody under CPL 3030 subdivision 2 rather than dismissal under 3030 sub 1, it turned on the same issues of excludability as other speedy trial motions. Accordingly, the second motion court properly declined to permit defendant to relitigate issues already resolved by the first motion court. We have considered and rejected the defendant's remaining speedy trial arguments. While ultimately, this error by the court would be argued by you on appeal if your case was dismissed, it's a lot easier and saves so much more time for you to have the court correct this error initially, and therefore, if the defense made a subsequent motion to dismiss the indictment, you would save that indictment by having made this supposedly includable time excludable as it should have been. While the most reliable record of the defense consenting to an adjournment is made on the record in open court at the time of an adjournment. However, a defendant may also waive his or her speedy trial rights for a particular adjournment by way of letter or verifiable electronic communication. The people are not required to make a subsequent record in court of this consent, although that is clearly the best practice. See the case of People v. Waldron, a Court of Appeals decision from 2006. While you are not required to make legal arguments at the time of an adjournment to preserve your legal basis for the time not to be charged against you, in your response to any speedy trial motion, you must argue all possible reasons for time to be considered excludable. See People v. Jameson, a Court of Appeals decision from 1996, where the people's failure to argue in their motion response that they had filed a valid notice of readiness precluded using that argument on the appeal, and ultimately the time was held chargeable to the people. Defense attorneys will often submit a 30-30 motion to dismiss that does not address in detail, with legal authority, why particular adjournments should be charged to the people. Your answer to these types of motions should address in detail with legal authority all adjournments that the defense does not concede. In so doing, the burden falls on the defense to respond specifically to those arguments. Failure to do so by the defense will be considered a concession of those issues on their part. See, for example, People v. Beasley, a Court of Appeals decision from 2011, where the court held, once the people set forth the statutory exclusions on which they intend to rely, defendant failed to identify the specific legal and factual impediments to those exclusions, specifically the argument that the people should be charged with the 13 days between August 17th and August 30th for failing to timely provide the grand jury minutes. Because defendant failed to raise this argument before the Supreme Court, he had not preserved any question of law for our review. Also remember that any statements made by the calendar judge as to whether time is chargeable to the people or defense is not binding on the appellate court deciding a speedy trial motion to dismiss, nor on the motion court 
deciding the speedy trial motion in the first place, even if it is the same judge who made that record. Therefore, your primary responsibility at the calendar call is not to secure the calendar judge's agreement that the time should be excludable, although it's obviously helpful. Rather, your job is to assure that a thorough record is made as to the details required to reserve your arguments that the time is excludable for the ultimate review by the appellate course. See, for example, People v. Berkowitz, a 1980 Court of Appeals decision. Burden rests on the people to make a record that clearly reflects the facts that will allow the courts to make a conclusion as to whom the time of the adjournment should be charged. See People v. Collins, a 1993 Court of Appeals decision. Now, a failure to do this will usually result in that period of time being charged to the people. For this reason, if the court attempts to cut you off in making your record, remind the court that you are required to make such a record by the Court of Appeals in order to meet your burden at any speedy trial hearing or any speedy trial motion to dismiss made by the defense. In reviewing the material, please be sure to see the other NIPTI practice tips addressing speedy trial issues, as well as the comprehensive written memo on speedy trial issues. We want to thank, as always, our crack producer and man of time, Jonathan Marconi Crispino. To all of you out there, be well and stay ready, my friends. Ooh, time.